be in your Bibles to Luke chapter, you can give me a little bit less on this mic, uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 28, and we are starting a new series this month that I am really excited about, and I want to challenge you this month because I think that this, this series has the ability to radically change your life, and I think this is a revival series, and you might not think so, but that's okay. Because we think revival, we think stuff like, you know, miracles, signs, wonders, healing, and like us sweating in church because it was so hot because we danced so much. And that's cool. We think revival, mass salvations, and that's great. But I think that also revival is, is the church having finances in order. Mm. What if this revival is you having a balanced account and you stop going negative? Oh, see, we lost the people immediately. What if revival is you getting out of debt? <laughs> what if revival in this context is you becoming a better steward of what God has given you so you have to stop asking for miracles and you start replacing it with management? I want to talk to you for a few weeks on the topic called the other 90. Because the church always tells you about 10%, but what about the other 90? We're really good at saying you got to tithe. But sometimes the church, I mean the global church, not just us, we're not always the best at saying what you should be doing with the rest. And you would be surprised to know the scripture has a lot to say about your finances. The scripture has a ton to say about money. And historically, we are just not the best in this country with finances. The good news, somebody say good news. This is in the giving series. So don't worry. The bad news is that we're going to challenge you on how you're managing your life and your resources. And it might get uncomfortable some days, and I might challenge you and say some things that you might disagree with, and, and they're proven principles that are tested in my life, and so they're in Scripture, and they're tested by thousands of other people. So if you don't like it, you're going to have to really deal with God on these things. Amen? Amen. But I want to encourage you, because I believe that you should not be in lack. I believe that you do not have to live paycheck to paycheck. I believe you should have overflow in every area of your life. And that's not a prosperity gospel. That's a stewardship model that God gives us. In Luke 14, 28, we read this story, and then I'll go on. Luke 14, 28, Jesus is giving this story. He says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, then when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. This man began to build but was not able to finish. The other 90. The church, again, we, we do a great job of telling people that to, we should be givers. We should do all these things, and that is very true. But we haven't done the best job with, with telling you what to do with what's left over. And here's the thing. If you give your, your tithe and offering, and you're a generous person to the kingdom of God, but yet do not manage your household, you will still find lack. I'm going to say that again because Josh asked me to. You can do all the giving in the world that you want. But if you do not manage what you have left, you will still find yourself in lack. It doesn't matter if you said, God, I'm going to type 20%, but you still don't manage the other 80%, you are still going to find yourself in lack. Because 90% of the issues you have with money are not about the amounts you have, it's about the management you don't have. 
And money is about principles, and money is just a tool for you. It's a principled lifestyle. You might not know that Scripture has a lot to say about our resources. Now, here's my disclaimer for this series. Here's my disclaimer, okay? This series is based on the assumption that you are already a giver. It's based on the assumption, right? I won't be talking about giving. If you aren't a giver and that makes you happy, I mean, sad, but that's up to you. If it makes you happy that we're not talking about giving, that's on you too. But the bad news is, is that the, the lifestyle you're looking for of abundance only comes from the bedrock and the foundational principle of us putting God first in our resources. And the way we put God first is rather by being tithers and being givers. Tithing being giving God a 10% or offering being above and beyond that. And there is no way around that. I'll say that again. There's no way around the scriptural principle that at the base of our, our, our being able to, to have abundance in our lives, it only comes from the management Right of what we have, but also if we first have put God in his place. There's no way to work around the principles of God. There's no way to work around the principles of God, church. There's no way. I believe that you cannot, as a believer, live in the place of abundance and overflow that God has for you without putting him first at a minimum in the principle of tithing. And not the law. You won't go to hell if you don't give. I'll tell you that flat out. You will not die and go to hell if you don't give. But you will live in a place of, of, of not being able to reach the maximum potential God has for you. Now, if you aren't that person and you feel attacked or discouraged, don't. You can always remedy the situation. Somebody say amen. My job is just to communicate the biblical truth to you that as a steward, God says, give me my portion first, and then I'll bless what is left in your hands. You might not know this. There is a crisis of financial management in our country. Not just on a governmental level, but some of you were probably saying yes to government. We know they're jacked up. But on an individual level, the vast majority of American households, and maybe many of you here or watching online, you cannot even scrounge up $1,000 cash for an emergency right now. You might be able to put it on a credit card. We'll talk about that in week two. <laughs> the vast majority of American households cannot scrounge up just $1,000 for an emergency, let alone... Even more, I think it's something like over 60% of American households cannot get $400 together for an emergency. Cash. And many of you are sitting here and you don't want to say anything because that might be you right now. And I'm not talking about you have to use rent money. I'm not talking about you have to use your UI bill money. But you got to take and put daycare money to an emergency. I mean that you have funds for an emergency. Some of you need to be sick and tired of struggling financially. You have to be sick and tired of going week by week. You have to get to that place of being so financially sick and tired of being, I don't want to say broke, but not managing stuff well, that you get to a place where you want to be responsible and you want to head in the direction of God in your finances. Now, is there a better way? The answer is absolutely yes. And years ago, I would say about now, 11 years ago, I started on this quest to figure out more about finances. Now, my father was a great father. Yo, my dad was the best. I feel bad for y'all because you didn't have a good dad because I had the best dad. <laughs> Hopefully, you had a great dad, but my dad was like the best ever. And his advice on finances was save money and have a good credit score. And while on the surface that sounds good, that's actually terrible advice. Yeah. 
And it wasn't because my dad was bad. He also probably didn't know himself the depth of what it means to manage your finances in the way that God would desire it for. And so my dad did the best he knew, but I knew something in me said there is more than what I'm seeing. I remember years ago, I met this young man at this uh, church conference. I was with this other church, Calvary Church in Cheshire, Connecticut, and they were having this like leadership conference, and they asked me to come with them and just to see how their church works and all this stuff. And, and, and all the guys were older gentlemen. Uh, they were Caucasian, and, and they were all talking about their portfolios. I had no idea what they were talking about. And they were talking about all their investments and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there like, this is not my cup of tea. I'm from Bridgeport. And I remember this kid, this, this guy, he was about 32 at the time. He walks up, maybe younger, about 20, 28 rather. He comes up and he, he walks up and he, he befriends me. His name was Sean. And Sean became one of my closest friends over the last, I want to say now, 10 plus years. And I began to ask Sean, like, questions about finances. And then I find out Sean's a financial advisor. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then Sean gives me this book called Whatever Happened to the Promised Land that his father wrote. And in this book, his father tells his life story where he was a businessman running a medical supply uh, store, and he became a millionaire like this. And then overnight, he loses it all and becomes over a million dollars in debt, and he has to claw his way back through biblical principles. And within eight and a half years, nine years, he pays off a million dollars of debt and becomes a self-made millionaire. And to this day is living in abundance. I mean, this book inspired, I read it in one day. It inspired the daylights out of me. How to manage my resources, how to live within the blessings of God. Here's what you might not know. That your finances actually are only governed by one thing, and that is principles. I want to tell you that just like the law of gravity, there is literally the law of resources in the scripture. And when you look at the Bible, you are able to live within the laws of scripture. And when you do this, you put your finances in this order, I am telling you that you will see abundance. Now, some of you right now need to bust out your phones and take some notes. I'm telling you, take some notes because I think that the next great move of God is going to come through a church who is ready to take advantage of every opportunity God has them to do. Because if revival strikes, but you have to work. But if you've had an abundant life and you can take some time off because you have time for revival, I'm talking about a whole different mindset. The number one issue surrounding your finances of many people is simply this, that there is no plan in place for your money. There is no plan in place to manage what God has given you. And every Friday or Wednesday or Thursday, whenever you get paid, you get paid and you begin to eat your seed. The first thing you do is you treat yourself to an extra coffee in the morning. Today you usually get Dunkin', but today you went starved because it's payday. And you act like this is just my lifestyle. This is what I do. But that latte is on a credit card, and within three months' time, that same latte, within a year's time, that started as $4, will cost you over $31 as credit card interest rates get you. But this is your lifestyle. There's no plan in place. It seems so simple, but yet this eludes most people that we have dreams and aspirations, but no plans. We got vision boards, but no, no budgets. You wasted time cutting all this stuff out of magazines for a churchy vision board, but you ain't got one ounce of planning for the finances that are supposed to get you there. That is the epitome of foolishness. That's the epitome of immaturity in finances. Newsflash, God wants you to increase. 
God would desire that you are blessed, but that you have to be living responsibly in order to be blessed. In order to get kingdom results, you got to have kingdom principles. So Jesus is telling a short story in the midst of a separate context. The context of the verse that we read was Jesus giving, giving people the ability to say, he says, if you're going to follow me, you got to count the cost. But inside of this story, he actually gives us a stewardship principle. He gives us a stewardship principle for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether, to see whether he has enough. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who will see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, immediate context aside, there are some real gems here. This man, like you and I, has a dream for his life. He has a desire to build this tower. This man's desire, like his, like ours, like yours, it's going to take this thing called resources. Just then, Jesus implies... That he should always first, when you want to build something, who wants to build your life? Anybody here? You want to build your life? When you build something first, you have to count the cost. And if we don't count the cost and we're unable to finish, we will be a mockery. People will mock us for not being able to finish what we started. Like the man building the tower, we are building our lives. We're building our financial picture, our resources, our future. We must sit down and count the cost. Many of us have all these goals, but you got no plans to meet the goals. You have plans, but you don't want to have a plan to meet the goals. Here's point number one. It's real simple, that we must make plans to meet goals. I know that sounds real simple. It's so simple, some of you won't even write it down. But after today, you still won't sit down to count the cost and write the plan. I want to challenge you over the next couple of weeks that this is so simple, but we have allowed it to elude us for many reasons. The first thing you need to do with the other 90 you have left over is to have a simple plan. And by plan, I'm going to go to my favorite word. It's called budget. Put yourself on a budget. I'm going to say something that might not be popular. And I want to let you know that I'm okay. (laughs) To live week by week without a budget is spiritually negligent and wasteful. I'm going to say that again. To live week by week without a budget is spiritually negligent and wasteful. To not have sat down, counted the cost of the month, Counter the cost versus the income that's going to go out. It's just pure laziness to not manage our resources. Men, if you are leading your households and your family finances and you have not sat down and counted the cost for your household and for your kids and for your wife and you have no plan on paper, not in your head, your head does not count. The scripture is clear to have a plan. Write it down. Make the vision plain. Write it down that those who who may read it will run with it. If you're leading your family without a plan, you're leading your family to possible ruin. There's got to be a plan. You got to man up and make a plan. Maybe your wife handles it. Woman up and make a plan. Sit down, get a budget. I'm not talking about, well, I'm pretty good with my resources. We make a lot more than we spend. How much more? You couldn't even tell me. 
You probably couldn't tell me in detail. And many people think we make enough not to budget or I don't make enough to budget. And both mindsets are deeply flawed. When my budget is in my head, your head is not in your wife's head. Where's the plan for the whole family? Where's the plan for the spouses to see? Where's the plan on paper that limits us, that holds us back, that gives us godly restraint in our spending and says, hey, we don't want to spend more than this. Nope, we only have this much money for this. That is all we'll spend for that. No, I'm going to say no because I love you. Not because I'm being a tyrant, but because we have goals. See, some of you rather just comment goals under somebody else's house picture rather than get to your own goals. You'd rather be on Instagram. Marriage goals rather than preparing yourself for marriage. You'd rather put somebody on their nice car. Goals. And I'm just like, get your own goals. But if you don't have a plan, then you don't have a goal. It's as simple as that. Planning where every dollar goes. You need to exhibit discipline in your life. Now, if up until this point you've never been a person to actually sit down and write a budget out on paper... I want to challenge you over the next week to do that because that's step one to being disciplined in your resources plan and what it means is this is that every dollar that comes into your hands you have a plan for it if you don't it'll just go to waste we how many of you know you spend by just swiping the card and before you didn't even realize you spent that much you didn't know you spent that much going shopping you didn't realize you did this or did that Right? We go to the grocery store and just grab rather than walking in there with a plan. How about you do a menu first? Then you know what you have to buy so you don't fall for the trap of walking through every aisle and thinking you need everything you see. Because we're visual creatures. We eat with our eyes. Are you with me? How much money would you save on groceries if you actually had a meal plan set? And then go to the grocery store. Oh, my God, simple, mind-blowing things. But you might be able to save two, $300 a month because you can go to groceries once rather than every week. Because some of you are like, well, I have to do groceries every week. You have to because you don't do it once a month because you don't plan properly. Right. When you plan and you have a purposeful planning uh, in your life, it begins to bear fruit. It may seem so simple, but many people lack the discipline in their finances, and you think you need a miracle from God. You think you need a better job. You think you, you might, but, but if you could just first take care of the finances in this level job. For why would God give you the $70,000 a year job if you're mismanaging the $40,000 a year job? And some of you are like, I wish I could make the 40. Well, if you can't manage the 25, how can you ever manage the 40? If you're just spending and saving and spending and saving and spending and saving and trying to catch up and putting the next fire out, how can you ever do that if you have no plan? Young man, if you're not married, you were like me before I got married. I had no plan for my finances. But the moment I got married, I realized I needed a plan. I'm telling you now, get yourself ready for a woman. Get yourself ready for a spouse. Don't come with a ring and empty promises and a broke bank account. Come with something to the table. Come with something to the table. Don't come with debt. Come with deliverance. You can help her with her debt. Come with, come with something to say, I got you. I'm here to take care of you. I'm here to, to, to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Are you with me? You got to have a plan. In order to make a plan, you must know simple stuff, simple stuff. And some of you can't answer some of these questions right now, so don't feel bad. You didn't even know when most of your bills are due. You know, it's some week. I think it's like the last week. 
I think my car payment is somewhere around. We usually know car payment and insurance and mortgage and rent. That's all we know. And those are freebies most of the time because it's on the 1st or the 28th. That's a freebie. You can't tell me when this credit card is due or that credit card or your gym bill or this bill and that bill. We can't even call it a gym bill for most of y'all. It's a gym donation. Won't give to God, but we'll sure give the fitness edge. But we don't know when it's due. We don't know the, the simple. We know a general sense, but we have no exact thing. You can't think of a woman in a gen general sense. In a relationship, you need the exact information. Are you single? Kind of. What? It goes no different with your resources. Do you have a plan or not? Do you know how to discipline yourself to save? Do you know how to, how to pay off debt, right? Solomon teaches us the important principle of knowing the condition of your finances. He's in Proverbs 27, 23. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. In other words, know what is going to make you money. Know what is your, the condition of your money and the condition of all of the things in your life. Let me tell you something I said two years ago, that budgeting is the duty of diligence in your finances. It's the duty of diligence in your finances. When you regulate your resources, God will release more provision. When you regulate your resources, God will release more provision. You will not get more before. You will not get more after. And if you do, it's, it's just like many people who hit the lotto, they go broke in five years. And you think to yourself, I don't understand how they can lose $200 million in five years. It's because they had no plan. We see it all the time. Many of us might be just like that. Jesus said, say this with me, count the cost. What's it going to cost? Count the cost. This first thing that's going to cost you, it's going to cost you some time to sit down and make a budget. You're into a new month, just four days. You have time. You got time. If you get paid bi-weekly and you got paid last Friday, you get an extra paycheck this month. How do I know that and you don't? <laughs> Count the cost. No. Plan ahead. It's okay to actually plan August's budget. It's okay to do that. Forecast your finances. Look ahead and say, I want to save this much. I want to pay off this much. The other day, I was getting this ice cream in Derby uh, with my kids and my wife, and this place said something evil. It said cash only. <laughs> And so I had to go to an ATM. I got 20 bucks, and it was okay because only three of us were getting ice cream. And then all of a sudden, my, my wife says, I want something too. So now the fourth item is added, and this place is in Derby, this little kind of bougie little ice cream shop at this little farm. And so they were pretty expensive. And now I'm sitting there counting the cost. Do I have enough? Do I have enough? Do I have enough? Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on, honey. I don't know if we can get that, honey. I don't know if I have enough cash. I never carry cash. I only got 20 bucks. Right? Thankfully, I had $1.62 to spare. Thank Jesus. Thank Jesus. But I don't miss the feeling of wondering if I have enough. Have you ever been to that place at the grocery store and you put stuff back because you don't have enough? Come on, let's be honest. Have you ever not had enough for your rent? Just had to wait an extra two weeks for your, for your UI or for your gas bill, and you're always behind. You hate that feeling of, as, as a parent, as a parent, you should hate that feeling of not having enough. I was there before many times. It wasn't because I didn't have enough. I hadn't managed it enough. I remember early in my marriage being so tight on our finances, I would make a plan, and I felt like I had accomplished something that I had made a plan, but then I wouldn't follow the plan. Because some of you were hearing me talk about budgeting, and you budgeted last time I talked about budgeting, but you never followed the budget. Oh, geez. 
So you might get amped up today about a budget, but are you going to follow it through? You can't just make the plan. you got to follow the plan. I would get paid, and there I was at the coffee shop. And there I was eating out. And there I was doing all the things that my budget said I should not do. And I think to myself, well, this, this money in the account. Just wipe the card. Why not? But before you knew it, you were short somewhere else. And then that red lobster now cost to do your light bill. Because you thought it was affordable. It was red lobster. Right? And then that extra Starbucks run where you were trying to be nice and buy something for somebody else too, that ends up cutting into your, into your, your cable bill. Now your kids during COVID didn't have no cable because you, you, you done got somebody else some coffee. It all adds up. Here's point number two, right? It takes maturity to follow the plan. Either you're going to be immature with your finances or you're going to be a grown-up. Either you're going to be immature or you're going to grow up. We live in a society where gratification instantly and so fast is, is everywhere. We think we deserve everything and we make immature decisions on money based on what we think we deserve. I want to let you know that you don't deserve anything if your bills aren't paid. We'll talk about that next because the Bible talks about paying your bills on time. It talks about how unrighteous it is to not pay your, your usury fees or your bills. The Bible talks about how it's evil and it's wickedness in the eyes of God to choose to, to, to spoil yourself above paying others that you borrowed from. In God's eyes, it's wickedness to avoid. You don't got money, right? You don't got money to pay that credit card bill, but you sure can go out for so-and-so's birthday. There's no logic in that. You haven't learned the maturity of saying no. You haven't learned the adult thing to say, I would love to go and celebrate you guys, but I have a plan in my life that's not going to allow me to right now. I used to tell my wife this, and, and um, she, she used to hate it. I used to say, honey, and maybe she didn't hate it, but it wasn't her favorite statement. I would say, honey, I'm saying no right now so that in a few years I can say yes. I got to say no for now. I got really good at no. So good that when it, when it came time where I could say yes to anything, I would still say no. And she was like, bruh. But it takes maturity. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. A lot of my scriptures are from Proverbs because Solomon was full of wisdom, the Bible says. The wisest man to ever live. He has all the wisdom you can think of in the scripture. By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. It takes wisdom to build your household. Then it says it takes understanding, meaning knowing the rhythms of your resources, knowing when's coming in and what's going out, knowing it. By understanding, it is established. And then by knowledge that you've known it, you've lived it, you've done it, you're able to fill your house with the things that you desire. Have you ever made a plan and not kept it? How many times have you downloaded a budget sheet or an expense app and never even touched it? Because you could have connected to your account because you forgot your bank account number. Right. At some point, I'm going I'm to minister to somebody's spirit here. At some point, you got to get tired of having to wake up every morning and look at your bank account and find out what you got. At some point, you got to get sick and tired of having to monitor every single last thing because you are so unsure of what you got. Right? The only thing dustier than your Bible at home might be your budget sheet. Yo, are you budgeting? Are you caring? Do you care about your family, your household, your resources? Do you care? Why do I say it takes maturity? Here's why. An immature person spends money based on what they think they deserve instead of what they know they need. 
And so we will go and buy the newest sneakers, fellas. But you would not, and you would neglect, rather, paying bills. You will, you will get your nails done, ladies. I don't want to touch that there. You will spend a grip at Sephora. You will sell your future on your credit card, and your birthright is somebody else's. And you talk about Esau in the Bible. You ain't doing nothing different. Giving away everything God has given you by mortgaging your life away. And then you're working for the things that, and you, God did this, but you're working just to keep it. Overtime, triples it, you're just doing whatever you have to do. You see, you might not know this, but self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. When you don't exercise self-control in your finances, you are absolutely saying, I have a lack of the fruit of the Spirit of self-control in my life. It's sinful to be wasteful in our resources. You have not, as an immature person, overcome the nature of impulse buying and spending on the things that you think you deserve, all the while neglecting necessities. You know what? I don't fall for those traps half the time at places like CVS. They put all the candy in front. (laughs) CVS did that because they know, all these stories, they know because the average shopper is always in it. I want to say about 70 plus percent of the time, the shopper's a woman. It's just pure statistics. Y'all can suck your teeth all you want. <laughs> argue with stats. You can't argue with stats. It's, they know that the impulse buy will be there when you have your kids. They just know it. I fall for it sometimes. Aria's like, oh, daddy, can I get that? I remember when I was a kid, and I, I used to go to, you know, seven, uh, Krausers, rather, with my father. It used to be Wawa's back then over there on, on uh, Fairfield Avenue. Hey, Dad, can I get that bag of chips? Kid, you think I made out of money? <laughs> I had no idea that, I don't want to say we were poor, but I had no idea that we were stretched thin. My dad did a great job of never letting that be a thing in our family, right? right? right. My kids now are with me, and they're like, Dad, can I have that? A mature person, right, who knows they have a need, right, to still pay for it, they have to say no. A mature individual doesn't buy clothes over paying their debt. A mature person doesn't buy lattes instead of paying a bill on time. A mature person doesn't buy name brand everything when they can't even afford their own place. You got roommates, you got this and that, but you spending on all this. Why? A mature person doesn't eat their whole paycheck by spending it on eating out and never saving up a simple emergency fund. A mature person recognizes that using credit nonstop is becoming a slave to your tomorrow. A mature person recognizes that making a plan isn't success. Executing it is. A mature person realizes that their homes and their resources have the power to shift their family tree and their future. A mature person knows how to say, I don't deserve this when I have debt. A mature person doesn't keep on taking more lines of credit to keep a lifestyle you could barely afford. And a mature person doesn't put all of your debt on one loan and then free up all your credit cards for you to rack them all up again. The spirit of guilt is laughing in the back. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That's not maturity. A mature person recognizes the plan and executes it. They garner self-control. Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. In other words, a man who lacks self-control has no defense in his life. When we lack self-control in our resources, we are defenseless. Y'all, anybody can make a plan. Anybody can make a plan, but a mature person executes it. Have you counted the cost? 
Once I've counted the cost, I execute the plan. If I have goals, I must make plans. There's no get-rich-quick scheme. There's no get-rich-quick scheme, church. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Whoever gathers little by little will increase it. It's a process. It takes maturity step by step. To build wealth takes maturity, church. You have to move into maturity in your finances. Maybe you've mastered maturity in other levels, but you haven't mastered it here. You have to master maturity or you will become a mockery according to Scripture. And a mockery is when you have to ask other people constantly for help because you don't have enough. But your lifestyle says you are living in abundance. Your clothes say you have more than enough. But your bank account, your bottom line says you do not have enough. Now, the principle that Jesus is illustrating, right, is, is telling us that we need to have this maturity and this state of mind to sit down, to calculate, to evaluate the cost of what we're doing, to see if we can afford this endeavor, to go ahead and say if we should do it or we should not. Right? You with me so far? I told you before, God wants to bless you. He wants you to live blessed. But he first desires that you would be diligent in what he's already given you. God's not going to hold you accountable for what you wanted. He's going to hold you accountable for what you had. He's going to hold you accountable for what you had. To be diligent means this, to be careful or persistent, to in work and to effort. To be careful and persistent in work and in effort. Being financially disciplined takes work. It means to be diligent, to be careful and persistent in your planning. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, I'm okay financially. Like, even without having a budget or a plan in place, like, I'm doing all right. And you haven't got to that point of truly exercising God's principles. You have dreams, but you got no plans. Here's, here's my last point for you today, right? Here's my last point for you today, that God will bless your diligence, not your dreams. God's going to bless what you've been persistent at. He's not going to sit there and oh, you haven't been diligent, you've been completely wasteful, you've been living how you want, you have no plan in place, you're spending however you want, you got tons of debt, I'm going to bless you with this like, six-figure job. Like, no. I'm going to send you off over here. God's like, no, I'm going to find somebody who can prove themselves to be diligent. Because if you can be diligent in a little, I'll make you ruler over much. That's what the scripture says over and over. It's the plans of the diligent person, right? They're the ones that succeed. Proverbs 21.5, the plan of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Surely. Like it's a sure thing that if I'm diligent, even if I feel like I don't make enough, if I'm diligent and I learn how to handle the 25000 I can get the fifty, the seventy, the $100,000 jobs. If I can be diligent. Somebody say diligent. Solomon says the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The plan of a diligent person who is careful and persistent, working the budget, the plan, it will surely lead to abundance. And maybe you haven't felt like you got your breakthrough and you've been doing all the budgeting in the world. I want to tell you, be persistent and be diligent. It takes seasons, right? God's trying to ingrain a habit in your life. It took me a while to ingrain a habit in your life. You can't have overflow in your finances with no plan. See, some of us, every tax season, we get thousands of dollars, and within a month or two, it's gone. 
It's absolutely squandered. You got new stuff all over the place. The same debt, the same bills. Listen, poverty doesn't mean you don't have anything. It means you always need more. Poverty doesn't mean you don't have anything. It means you're always in a mindset that you perpetually need more. But the scripture says anybody who is hasty, the Bible says anyone who is hasty, meaning they make quick and rash decisions, impulse buying, spoiling yourself without actually taking care of, you know, responsibilities, that that person comes to poverty. That that person comes to poverty. What that means is this, that you may be able to have a lot and still have nothing. My sister, she works in, you know, lending, commercial lending in her bank. And she says, you know, I know people who are making six and seven figures and still neck deep in debt, have nothing to show for it. doesn't matter how, don't worry about how you look to the world. Don't worry if you're not having the newest, flashiest stuff. None of that matters if you are in debt. It does not matter. Can you take care of your household? Do you have emergency funds? Are you taking care and securing your future? See, poverty is a mindset many of us have to escape. There's a real information gap when it comes to resources. There's an information gap, and and many people don't know what to do with their finances. Especially in, in the inner city. If you grew up in the inner city, you know what I'm talking about. But the desire of God is that we would educate ourselves, right? And that we would absolutely live in abundance. The Bible says that when the Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon, that when she saw the way his servants were dressed, that she was completely overwhelmed. If she was overwhelmed, right, at the servants of that earthly king, how much more should the world be overwhelmed at the servants of a heavenly king? Don't tell me God doesn't want his children to walk in abundance to be able to resource the kingdom of God. To be able to resource the kingdom of God. How much more us? Proverbs 12, 27. He who is, whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. In other words, whoever is lazy will not even be able to eat the food they've purchased or caught. But the person who is diligent, they're going to get a lot of wealth. If you feel overwhelmed right now because of your financial picture, don't be. Ask God for the wisdom. It's here before you. It's there. You could walk in that wisdom. Make a decision to put your house in order. That's first and foremost. Make a decision to put your house in order. Praise God that you are giving and sowing, but now start planning and growing. Start to plan in your life. When you make up your mind, right, when you make up your mind to do this, set a plan in place. Get a budget together. Put it week by week or by week, however your, your resources work, right? Make it so that you know every week what to do with your money. And if there is not one dollar coming into your house that does not have an assignment, right? And once you've made this plan, find an accountability partner. Find somebody else who's in the same boat as you and say, hey, could you help me be accountable? Could you help me? And then don't be mad when they hold you accountable. Don't be mad when they text you because you're all over Instagram with your little food plates and all these pictures. And you're like, hey, I don't see this entertainment on your budget that you sent me to be your accountability partner. Many of us like the idea of accountability, but the reality we hate. I'll say that real quick. Once you've made the plan, find that partner. Look for somebody who can be a financial mentor for you. Someone who's allowed to, allowed to speak into your life and help bring direction and correction. Somebody who can help you out. Lastly, maybe you're here today and you're not a believer let alone a giver to the house of God. I want to challenge you the best plan you can ever make and the best thing you can ever give God is your heart. 
And so if you're here today, you're not a Christian, or you're watching online, I want to challenge you that, that maybe what God's asking you to do first, the first thing to give him is your heart. Because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his soul? Right? Because the best debt, the best, the absolute best debt program is salvation. Where there was a debt of sin that each of us had that only Jesus could absolutely pay for. And on that cross, he pays, he pays the debt of our sin so that we can be givers to the kingdom of God by giving him our hearts. So maybe you're here and you have to give God your heart. Or maybe you're here today or you're a regular giver. I want to challenge you, right, that the Bible is on your side but all you have to do is add management. And I want to challenge you, if you're here and you're not a regular giver and you're a regular attender, I want to challenge you that you can put all the plans in place you want, but without setting the foundation of giving to God and putting God first, that you will always find yourself with holes in your pockets, according to the book of Malachi. Amen? Stand with me. We're on a four-week journey to help you get your financial house in order got two amens and a mm. online just say amen just type it in the comments because these folks ain't helping me up in here you know as a as a as a pastor you know my heart is always to try to give you something that you can take home and you can take it home i have this this thing when i, I do teachings or sermons i ask myself is this monday worthy you know is there going to be something that's going to stick with them on a monday this has got to be something that you put into your own life. I want to challenge you that if you put your financial house in order, you will begin to see how much you've been wasting and how much God's been blessing. And you've been asking God for something he's already given you. Amen? Amen. If you're young here, start now. Oh, can I have a witness in the building? Start now. Some of you feel young, but you're old. It's okay. You should start now, too. <laughs> start. Let's bow our heads. Not because something weird is going to happen, but because God is here. Now, if that's you in any area of your life where you're saying, first and foremost, that you don't know Jesus, or you haven't made a full commitment to him, and the first debt you want to take care of right now is your debt of sin, Will you lift your hand as high as you can? Maybe you need to make a recommittal today. Maybe you've been walking away from God in certain areas. You want to give him everything. Come on. We got one right now. Come on. We got two. Come on. Three. Come on. Come on. Four, five, six, seven. Come on. You want to give him everything. You're just recommitting right now or giving your life to Jesus. Come on. We got eight hands up. Come on. Let's just say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, in this moment, I want to offer you my heart I receive your son as my savior and I believe that he died on that cross for all of my sin and that I am debt free from every sin that I've ever committed in Jesus name I confess it with my mouth I believe it in my heart would you take over right now Jesus' name, I pray. Come on, Holy Spirit, fill every person who prayed that prayer right now. We pray for just an inflow of your Holy Spirit to just breathe on them, breathe on them, breathe on them, Lord Jesus, right now. We lift them up to you, Jesus. 
Come on, if you're here, you just need, you just need, you just want prayer for your finances. Will you lift your hands, Father? Father, for those people in this room, maybe they're struggling in their area of their finances. Maybe they're struggling in giving or struggling with being consistent in their planning processes. Lord, would you give us the maturity and the discipline, the self-control of the Spirit of God that is needed in this next season, Lord, because you're putting an urgency on getting our house in order. Would you help us? Would you give us the wisdom? Would you lead us to the right godly people? Would you lead us to the right godly accountability partners? Would you lead us to the right mentors in Jesus' name? Lord, would you do it? We submit to you. Lord, help us to see as we read your word all the things you would desire to say to us. We pray this in the name of your son. Come on, pray this. Jesus, give me wisdom to handle and to steward you placed in my hands. In Jesus' name. Father, give us wisdom. Come on, we thank you, Lord. Come on, give God a round of applause. Come on.